0: Welcome everyone to this edition of Truth to Power where fellow programmers as well as voices out there in the community are encouraged to speak their truth in contrast or opposition to the powers that be. I am today's host Ruth Newman and I'm very excited to be airing a presentation given by d pregliasco vice president and redistricting chair of the league of women voters of kentucky and also by susan perkins weston of the league's kentucky redistricting committee they spoke at the louisville league of women voters on monday october the 18th on the very timely and important subject of redistricting, which only happens every 10 years, and which is going on right now in Frankfurt. I'm Deepa Gliasco. I'm Vice President of the State League uh, and Chair of the Redistricting Committee.
1: But as most of you know, my heart is here in Louisville because I was at one time President of the Louisville League and of course still a member of the Louisville League. If you join the local league, you automatically become a member of the State League and the National League, and that's an important thing to remember. But the state itself, and our president is here, Fran Wagner, we have taken on this issue of redistricting. And some people say, well, why is this important? And we're going to talk about this with our slides. Two important things. First, you should know, but you need to let everybody know, that the League is nonpartisan, okay? We don't support candidates, and we don't support parties. So that's critical to understand. So we we go at this just as that, a nonpartisan group of citizens, and we're here to educate all citizens about this issue. And then two other things that I think are critical. Keep this in mind. What happens, whether it's good redistricting or bad redistricting, which is gerrymandering, it lasts for ten years. Ten years. That's why this is critical. Okay? And then my the other thing that I've come up with that I think it's also critical is What happens in Frankfurt, and Senator McGarvey knows this, and Representative Scott knows this, what happens in Frankfurt doesn't stay in Frankfurt. It's not like Las Vegas. What they do there, it affects all of us. It affects our taxes, it affects education, it affects health, roads, schools, you name it, it affects everything, and that's another reason we have to pay attention. So... My partner, Susan Weston, who's the, our map guru, she is in, in Danville. She's not here tonight, but she's got part of this program, and when I get through, she's going to chime in with all of her maps. We've given you some handouts. Be sure that you give us feedback, because that's part of what the Fair Maps Forum are all about. So that's critical. When you've got a question, write it down on your card, hold it up, and it'll get collected. Either I'll answer it, or we'll have Susan uh, answer it. As you can see, this is our people-powered fair maps. And we want an open process. We want it transparent. We don't want, here are the maps, vote on them tomorrow. We want these maps to be published ahead of time. We ourselves have bought Maptitude, which is the same uh, computer technology that the legislature uses. We have drawn maps ourselves. And then once we get input, in other words, hear from you all, Just like we've already had one of these programs in Bowling Green, in Hopkinsville, in Frankfort, Eastern Kentucky, and we're gonna have one in Northern Kentucky. We're gonna have one in Lexington again, in Pikeville, Ashland and, and Moorhead. I'm actually going to Paducah on Thursday. We're talking to people all over the state, and that's part of what this program is all about. You can talk to people that you know If they have groups and want us to come talk to them, we'll be glad to. we probably talked to 60 plus different groups all over the state, okay? Because this is a critical issue. This is, of course, our first look at people-powered fair maps or you can just call them fair maps if you want to. These are the basics, okay? Most of us know this, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't understand this. We are going to draw six new congressional districts Okay, we have six congressional representatives. A lot of us are old enough to remember we used to have seven in Kentucky, but we lost population and so we're down to six. We also have 38 Kentucky Senate seats, so those districts are gonna be redrawn, and 100 Kentucky House seats. These 38 seats and these 100 seats are set up by our Kentucky Constitution. So it's not like they're gonna add and make it 40 here or 20 here. That's with the Constitution. But also, there'll be some judicial redistricting, city, county, and school boards. And then, since we live in Louisville, our Metro Council has been meeting right now. There's an ad hoc committee that's going to be working on the Metro Council districts. I testified before that group a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Louisville has 26 Metro Council districts, so you can see they've got a a lot of work to do. Let's face it. We know what happened with the census. Things were delayed. The numbers didn't come out as soon as we thought they were going to come out, so when is this going to happen? Is it going to happen now? I've been told by several people, oh yeah, we've got some maps and they're almost done, and I always say, so are we going to get to see them? (laughs) But I don't get any answers. Is there going to be a special session? Some people have been pushing the governor, and you might have read in articles in the paper, to have a special session on redistricting, but so far, nothing. So are they going to wait till January? Okay. And obviously they can. Uh, There is this issue of a January 7th filing deadline, though. So does that mean that the districts are going to be drawn really quickly in those first few days just to meet that deadline? Our thought is that probably they're going to have to change that deadline because that's not going to give enough time. But, again, who knows? Or is it going to be put off uh, and put off and so that the districts – really won't be in effect until 2024. And I will be very honest, I don't know enough about this. There's a lot of legality things here. <coughs> All right, next. This is really critical, and this is what you can share with people so that they understand and know about why redistricting, drawing the lines, that's what redistricting means, drawing the lines, helps voters learn about candidates. You know, are these districts drawn in a way so that people can look at their area and say oh yeah we have this club and that club or this neighborhood association and we can all learn about what's going on in our district. Also, citizens can communicate better with their representative. You're going to see a map that shows the way uh, it is right now, particularly in eastern Kentucky and even in Jefferson County, these long districts of counties. Now, one of the things I always like to say is, you know, part of Kentucky's problem is we have 120 counties. I mean, if you wanted to say to people why we're poor, that's one good reason right there. But that's not going to change probably in any of our our lifetimes. Also, if the redistricting is done well, then parties really can compete against one another. It's, It's just not a foregone conclusion. Then, this is critical... Members of racial minorities can elect candidates they prefer. And then in addition, and this is really, we're talking about communities of interest here, regions within a state. So Eastern Kentucky is very different from Western Kentucky. South Central is different from Northern Kentucky. Central Kentucky is different from Western. Louisville is different from obviously various places around the state. So that's why we want good redistricting to make all of this work for voters. We are the voters to make it work for us. Okay, why should you care? We want to elect them. We want to elect you, Morgan McGarvey and Attica Scott, not you elect us, not that you draw these districts and draw these lines with a a scalpel and say, oh, I want this precinct, because I know that precinct voted for me the last time, or I want that precinct. Oh, do you want this one? No, we don't want that to happen. And what we know is in safe safe districts, elected officials really don't have to compromise. They don't care about their voters, or they only care about the ones that voted for them, and they don't care about the ones that didn't vote for them. And so that becomes an issue. And then, as happened in 2012, if the lines are not drawn the way they should be, then there's lawsuits. In 2010, with that census, The Democrats controlled the House, and the Republicans controlled the Senate, and there wound up being a lawsuit about all of that. And so it was not until 2012 or 2018 did we actually know what our districts were. We don't want that to happen. Uh, First off, that's costly. It delays things. If there's bipartisan buy-in, in in other words, if the people have a say and everybody has a say and there's buy-in, there's less chance that there has to be a lawsuit. Okay, what's the best approach? Well, some states, about 17, actually have an independent commission. And I will tell you, there is lots in the newspaper, there's lots in magazines, there's lots on the internet about redistricting that's going on all over the country. And in these states where there's an independent commission, you don't have the legislators drawing the district lines. You have people who have been appointed to an independent commission. And there's a process that you do that with. For us to do that in Kentucky, we would have to have a constitutional amendment. So what we went for is an advisory commission. And Representative Scott and Senator Garvey both know we supported legislation that was proposed last year, 2020, and this year, 2021, to have an advisory commission. What would that advisory commission have done? That advisory commission, based on the way we helped set it up, would go all over the state and have hearings in all the regions and all the areas and hear from people. Put all of that information together before maps then would be drawn. It got nowhere in 20, got nowhere in 21. We even had a joint resolution this year and that got nowhere. In other words, the resolution would have been, well, the legislature is going to do this. And that now, as it turns out, there would have been plenty of time, particularly having all of 20, And now, almost all of 21 to do that. But instead, they chose not to do that. So that's why we're having these forums, you know? We're having these forums because they haven't gone out to have public hearings about the issue. And obviously, the best practice would be make it be transparent with public hearings. Now, everybody needs to understand, under our Constitution, the legislature has the authority to draw the maps. We don't deny that. We just want to have some input, okay? You live on this side of the Waterstone Expressway, maybe you shouldn't be put with a district over here on the other side of the, the Waterstone Expressway. I mean, there's just lots of information that needs to be shared with the legislature. Okay, how did we get to these draft maps? I told you that we bought Maptitude. And so what we did is we used the 2020 census data, the same information, that the state's using to develop these maps and these are draft maps and you're going to see a bunch of them in here and Susan's going to talk about them in other words these are just what says draft maps obviously we want to inform you all about this I mean that's part of the process we want to advocate advocate for these fair simpler maps and when you look at the current map that's at the first page of your handout you can look at this map of the congressional districts. Your first thought has to be, so how did how did they happen to draw them like this? Why do they look this way? You know, why does one look like a dragon? Why why does one look like a you know puppy dog with big ears? Uh, why does one uh, go all the way from the Mississippi River and the Ohio River all the way ro- over almost to eastern Kentucky? How does that happen? Why isn't Owensboro? in the same district with Bowling Green. And then obviously at these events all over the state, we want to get input from everybody. And and let me give you a quick example. Uh, When we started working with our league in Hopkinsville, what they realized, and then we realized too, is Hopkinsville in Christian County is a very compact city, very compact. They have three different representatives. So what that means is the school that children goes to could be in one district. Where they work could be in another district. Where they live could be in another district. And what we know is that these kinds of divisions dilute the power of people and dilute the voters. And it dilutes, for example, what Hopkinsville can, and can say and the power that they would have in Frankfurt. So they need to talk about that, and they need to be able to talk to their legislators uh, about this. In talking to various people in Western Kentucky, found out that Madisonville is upset with the way their lines are drawn. We know that there have been some issues in Lexington. There are some issues, obviously, in Jefferson County, but all over the state. And again, let people speak up about their particular district. So we are developing recommended maps, but then we are going to hear from people. You're going to see a slide that talks about how you give us input. All right, now, we had to follow legal rules to do our maps, just like the legislature will have to do. One person, one vote, everybody seems to sort of, I think, have that in the back of our head that that's important. What this means is that districts need to be as nearly equal as possible in population. And for the Kentucky Senate and House districts, it has to be within a 5% margin either way, okay? Not... 10%, not 7%, not 5.5, but 5%. There were some lawsuits going back several years from 1907 and 1931. It was really interesting that there were were some uh, districts that had like 170,000 and then another district had 46,000. That can't be. They have to be as nearly equal as possible. All right, opportunity. Redistricting must provide districts of opportunity, again, where minority voters can have a chance to select representatives of their choosing. It's not guaranteed, but there has to be a chance, and the lines can't be purposely redrawn to keep those communities from being able to vote and elect for people of their choosing. If you go and, and read all of the background about the North Carolina cases, Rousseau versus North Carolina. You'll see that that's what they did. It literally with a scalpel, as the judge talked about drew these district lines to eliminate minority communities. Then county lines. A county can get divided, such as Jefferson, other counties, to help with this equal issue. But what happens is once it gets divided, uh, there's no, no bar from dividing it as many times as you want. And so we have tried to not do that. And, and Susan's going to explain uh, about that when she talks about uh, her maps. We had some additional goals, not just the legal ones we had to follow. We wanted to have compact districts, if possible. Instead of long ribbons of counties hooked together, uh, we wanted to have more what I would call sort of almost group, sort of surrounding each other, that they would have a better chance uh, to be close to one another and have contact with one another. County seats, when we divided the county, we didn't want to divide up the county seat. We didn't want to divide up Hopkinsville. And then this is where the various legislators that have talked to me said, well, you, you ignored incumbents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we ignored incumbents. When we did this, we didn't look at them. We drew what we considered to be fair, simpler lines, following the rules, but we did not look at incumbents at all. This is a critical map to understand, and in your handouts, you're gonna see this map. This is really fascinating, and it tells a lot about what's going on in our state. We call it the blue-red map. You can probably guess, if you look at it, where the population in Kentucky has moved. Obviously, it's moved away from the west. It's moved away from the east. And what three roads do you think are in effect here or the change in the population. We know I-65 corridor, the I-75 corridor, and of course I-64 that runs across both of them. In this sense, it's gonna be difficult to draw some of these lines because of, of this. They're gonna be places in eastern and western Kentucky that are going to have to be put together because they've lost population. The red counties where there's the gain of more than 9%, that's gonna affect those districts. So this is not necessarily an easy thing. And obviously though, again, this affects the voters, affects the people in those counties and why we've been pushing to have public hearings so that people can say, hey, this doesn't work, or yes, this works, or have you thought about this? You know, one of the things in Jefferson County that makes it more difficult is we have huge swatches of land. Okay, so we have UPS and the airport. We have GE, we have Ford. And obviously, those still are are part of our our community, but getting enough people who might surround those areas to be in a district that works for them, it's not easy. So there are gonna be some squiggly lines in in Jefferson County, and there's gonna possibly be some squiggly lines for Metro Council because of that. Again, look at this more closely. You'll see all the gains and the losses, and this is what's happened in our community, and it's what's happened in Jefferson County, where our population has moved east also, okay? So that's an issue. Now I'm going to turn the program over to
2: Susan. She's going to explain all about the maps. I'm Susan Weston, but it's an honor to be with all of you to talk about maps tonight. Starting with our congressional map, what I have displayed is indeed the map currently in use based on the 2010 census data. What I find odd is mainly the yellow districts, which seem to be stretch an amazing distance. So the first district in yellow stretches from the Mississippi all the way east to Casey County, which is located 10 miles south of where I'm sitting in the middle of the state. And the fourth district stretches from eastern Jefferson County all the way to Ashland. A lot of what's going on here, I think, comes from If you look over in the west, the farthest west district in the pink 2nd district is Davies County, and that's Owensboro. And I think a lot of what's going on in this map is based on trying to keep Owensboro in the 2nd. And if you do that to get a district that's close to equal size, you sort of have to go south beneath Bowling Green and come up in the middle of the state. I think that's why that map is so odd. And then there's a choice about how you draw a district for the east. And if that one is drawn to include some of the Appalachian counties in the middle of the state, it kind of has to not go all the way north up to Ashland. I think those are the main factors leading to how this map was drawn. Now, I do want to share that we really want your input. We have a set of address with a survey. At this tiny URL address, we do ask for your email. We won't use that for anything else, but we're using that in case you come back and want to share comments two or three more times. If you prefer email to a survey, you can send us email to our info address. And if after we're done tonight, you have more thoughts, feel free to go back to that tiny URL address and tell us more through November 15th. That's when we're going to get to work on recommended maps to go to the legislature based on all the input.
0: Websites that you can go to are www.lwvky.org. You can also go to tinyurl, all one word, tinyurl.com forward slash lwvmaps. So here's... Our first
2: map trying to redraw the congressional district. The big changes are, as I said, moving Davies County and Owensboro into that western green district and working hard on how the northern district cannot be as much like a long snake. Here it definitely doesn't go all the way over to Ashland. And once I tried to do those two things, it followed that the eastern district needed to sort of rotate counterclockwise. Uh, It used to be sort of from from 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and now it's from 1 o'clock to 7. And then the other districts followed from that. Two quick questions. First, what does the Paducah map look like? And the simple answer to that is we've shared our complete set of maps at lwvky.org, and we would love to have feedback from anyone anywhere in the state on anywhere else in the state. We chose to focus closer to Louisville in what we gave as handouts today, but your comments are very welcome if you go and look at our other maps at lwvky.org. Also, could you share some historical context in relation to redistricting versus gerrymandering in Jim Crow? Happy to do that. That's the part of why I care about this process, is trying to get to a better shared society. The one-person-one-vote rule is absolutely fundamentally about enforcing the 14th Amendment having previously had a number of districts drawn purposely to limit the impact, in particular, of African-American voters. Uh, the Voting Rights Act of 1965 uh, set strong rules for places that had previously done that kind of racist gerrymandering, requiring them to have preclearance from the Department of Justice before they made voting changes. And that worked until a few years ago when the Supreme Court in Shelby v. Holder took out all of that preclearance process. The Voting Rights Act still applies, but to enforce it, you now have to go to court, and you go to court after the new districts have come into effect. In Kentucky, given our diversity shortage, Jefferson County is the main place where we need to be extra careful about that. In these maps, I was also intentional in all of the other places that we had more than a handful of non-white voters. I do want to move to showing you a few close-ups of this congressional map. So first, this is Jefferson County. Jefferson County is too big to be a congressional district. The standard size for congressional district is a little over 750,000 people, and Jefferson has more than that. So to make the main Jefferson district not be too big, somebody has to choose some bites to nibble off of the county. And the two places where I tried to handle that were... A small section in the southwest that's included in the southern district, and a small section in the northeast that's included in the blue northern district. And one of the things I worked on in this, though I may not have it right, was trying fairly often to use major highways as boundaries. So when you look at the lines in the northeast, that really is I-64 and the Snyder. Coming from Danville, I'm using the best I can understand about your territory. I always know I'm walking on other people's eggshells as I do this. And the biggest benefit of coming to you with farms and inviting the input is, if that doesn't look to you like a smart way to do it, please let me know. That's exactly how we learn how to do it better. There were three other counties divided in our map. Uh, Grayson County, to the west, is divided between the western district and that yellow southern district. Uh, Harrison County, in the north, was divided to keep the northern district from being too big. And then Montgomery County was divided to keep the eastern district from being too big. Those are fairly simple lines we were aiming to make it easier to look at than the way the 2013 maps did it. We're going to need to revise these maps. We'll revise them mainly because we got your input. This is the house map, drawn in 2013. At this size, it's really hard to see what's, what's visible, so I'm going to show you a couple of close-ups to let you see some of how this works. First up, of course, Jefferson County. Jefferson County, in these maps, has 15 of the state's hundred districts located entirely in Jefferson County and then has three districts shared with Oldham County. But I want to show you a little bit about how it works in a lot of the state. The county division rule has an impact of, in general, the counties that are large enough that they have to be divided. If they're too big to be their own house seat, then they end up being divided to solve multiple problems. So here's an example from Hardin County. But if you look at Hardin here, you're seeing it's divided into many parts, and it's connected to many other counties. So it shares a district with Bullitt County. It shares a district with Meade County, though you have to squint to see that the 27th district has a blue piece reaching into the county and headed towards Etown. It shares a district with Bracken Ridge. It shares a district with Grayson. And there in the south, its other blue district includes Hart, Metcalf, and Monroe County, And Monroe County, we will note, is on the Tennessee border. So that's an illustration of how the maps did a lot of dividing of counties, where we aimed in our maps to do less dividing of counties. Jefferson did not get that treatment in the 2013 maps, although Oldham County might argue that it was divided more often than it needed to be in order to have three different districts. They were in both Jefferson and Oldham rather than
0: having just one intrusion like that. And you are listening to WFMP 106.5 FM. I'm your host, Ruth Newman, presenting talks given at the Louisville League of Women Voters on the work of redrawing boundaries for congressional state and local legislative districts going on in frankfort but also being taken up by the kentucky league of women voters for purposes of promoting fairness transparency and opening it up to public scrutiny something that has not been done in the past The next voice you hear is that of Susan Perkins Weston of the League of Women Voters Kentucky Redistricting Committee. In our draft maps, I should tell you early,
2: we did them in seven regions, uh, both to make the colors easier and to make it easier to hone in on what people would want to hear about as we did different locations. We're honing in on Jefferson and its surrounding areas. We've also brought you the map for the central part of the state and the northern part of the state. Again, if you want to see any of the other maps, we would love to have your thoughts on those as well, and you can see those at lwvky.org. But to move in on what's happened for Jefferson County, that this map shows Franklin and Shelby Anderson and another district connected there, and it shows what's happening to Nelson before it moves in closely on Jefferson County. But in this version with increased population, Jefferson has 16 internal districts, and shares one with Oldham, shares one with Bullet, and shares one with Bullet and Shelby. And just to round that out for your neighbors, Oldham and Bullet also have a district that's entirely in their own county and includes their county seat. Here's a close-up of the maps we drew as an approach to Jefferson County. I will say again, these are your eggshells. Your comments on what I got wrong will help us do it better. But in this map, we're dealing in more compact areas, which is a virtue unless there's something wrong with it. Roughly in a number of places, you can see the outline of the slider or the outline of I-64, and you can see roughly where the Waterson cuts in. There are two districts here that cross the Waterson. There's a light pink that does that close to the intersection with 64, and there's a blue one that crosses and includes part of Shively and has a little bit south of the Watterson to make the sizes right. Um, I will add, in the current configuration, this map has four districts with non-white majorities of the voting age population. And I would also love thought on whether that's the, the fullest representation opportunity we can create in this map. To give you a quick look at the central region, in our map, Fayette County has six internal districts, and shares with several of the adjacent counties, though heavily in the suburban part of Fayette County located outside of their New Circle Road. Madison County has an internal district that includes its county seat and shares with several other counties. And in this map, Jessamine County, which is Nicholasville, has an internal district and shares one. In the north, we were aiming for something similar. So each of the three big northern counties has at least one internal district, and then we have several others built in uh, that include related counties.
1: All right, Susan, I've got some questions. Great. Okay, let's go back to the house map that you drew for uh, Jefferson County. So that's what you drew. The question involves District 43, and I presume this question has to do with the way it was. In other words, the question says, was District 43 be an example of gerrymandering? And if so, when was it drawn and under whose watch?
2: District 43, okay, so that's the district that starts in the West End and runs along its way across part of the county. The district was drawn by the Kentucky House in 2013. The House had the leading role in redistricting the House as the Senate did in redistricting the Senate. What I would say more carefully is that looks to me like a district that was wrong with purposeful awareness of minority representation and was looking for a district that also couldn't be spoken of as PACI. So it includes a significant African-American voting population, but it also includes some neighborhoods that are not as African-American. In the redistricting discussions, there's a worry about cracking a community where you divide people up so they can't have influence. And there's also a worry about packing where you create a district that's so completely people of one community that it reduces their influence on who can get elected anywhere else. And this looks to me like it was an intentional effort to create a district that had a significant African American population but also included some other voters so it wasn't packing and reducing the influence of African American voters on the election outcome.
1: Yes, Susan, because the western part of Forty three is predominantly African American and the eastern part of Forty three is predominantly white. So that's example. I yeah. have another question here that relates to these more recent maps. In our draft map, what was used to move a portion of southwest Jefferson County out of the Jefferson County District for
2: Congress? What was used there was primarily something had to be moved. And that's because Jefferson County has more people than a a congressional district can have. After which it was, what's a small slice that can be chosen? And because that was adjacent to both Bullitt and Hardin Counties, I thought that was workable. I am open to any thought from anybody who knows that territory better with the recommendation of a different nibble to take out of Jefferson County. The key thing I'd say is a slice of population does have to be moved out of Jefferson County in order to make a district that's small enough to fit constitutional muster.
1: This is why we want you all's input. Okay, a question was, uh, the League be using MapTitude to draw local me- Metro district maps. We at the League have not engaged in drawing the Metro Council maps. We have, again, pushed them and have testified Uh, to that ad hoc committee saying make this open and transparent and in fact i suggested that all metro council members be required to go out and have a public hearing or a zoom hearing whatever they want to do in each of those districts
2: all 26 and hear from
1: their constituents before they do any map drawing
2: there's a question clearly about the kentucky house district so i will go to that map What is the district in the southeast of Jefferson County that is green? What does it join with, and why did you draw it that way? There are actually two. If you look to the south of the map, you'll see there's a sort of yellow-green district that includes part of Bullitt County, and then there's a darker green district that includes both part of Bullitt and all of Spencer County. And I drew them that way to solve the problem of Shelby County is too small to be a district and needs something added to it. Bullock County is too large to be a district by itself. So when I was looking at the congressional map, I was describing, here's why I took a nibble here and a nibble there. These are the nibbles to get districts of the right and workable size in the house map. There are sure to be other ways those districts could cross the border. I may not have chosen the best lines for that, but what I was working to do was solve the population problems also for your neighboring counties without doing the kind of multiple divisions that were done in a lot of maps in the last time the maps were drawn. In the Senate maps, these were drawn by the Republican Senate primarily in 2013. The distinctive here, these maps compared to maps we've seen in other states These are relatively tame. Pennsylvania had a district that was famously referred to as Donald Kicking Goofy. None of these maps look like Disney characters. But in our thinking about how to make things work easily for voters, if you look in the east, there are a whole set of very long, very skinny districts that look like strings of pearls with one county after another added running from south to north. And we suspect that's hard for a lot of voters. I will also mention, if y'all have any sense of how to pick out Casey County in the center of the state, you will notice that the 14th district starts in Casey and wanders up through Marion and Nelson and Spencer and into Jefferson County. And that is a major stretch, both of geography and of culture, I think. An argument that that set of four counties plus a slice of Jefferson are a community of interest, I think would be pretty tough. And it's not at all a criticism of anybody representing them, it's just an awareness that that looks like it would be hard on voters, in terms of being able to get to know candidates, in terms of being able to visit those who represent them. Our Senate maps, we did do them again in the two parts. For your handouts, we provided all of both parts with a note that the and the western half, two counties needed to be divided. Uh, Warren County is too big to be all one Senate district, so part of Warren County is included with other places. And Jefferson County, of course, is way too big to be one Senate district, and in our map, has six that are entirely inside the county and then shares some others. So here's that version. And again, you have a set that are internal to the district, but you also have one that's shared with Hardin down in the Southwest, one that's shared with Bullitt, and one that is shared with Oldham and Shelby. And once again, all thoughts on how to make this work better for the people who live there will be appreciated, especially from you as the people who live there. From the, the question about the greenhouse district, I have not labeled these with numbers of districts because I was trying that hard not to think about incumbents, which is why I'm referring to these as the pink one or the red one. There's also a glitch in Redistrict, R doesn't give me an easy way to label them, say, by letters, which we will try to do in our recommended maps. In the east, there are three more divided counties, Fayette, Boone, and Kenton. And in the handouts, there's some detail on those. Having said that, I'll invite you again to, to give us thoughts on what we've got right and what we can do better. And you can do that with the Tiny
0: Earl. That address is tinyurl.com forward slash lwv maps. You can also email us. That email address is info at lwvky.org. We will be
2: looking out for your comments
0: all the way through to November
2: 15
0: on how we can make this
2: better.
1: You also can go online uh, and we have a petition Uh, that you can sign online or you can print it off and sign it and we're uh, collecting these signatures and sending them to the legislature say okay let's have an open and transparent process
0: you can find that online petition by going to lwvky.org so you
1: can do that also so do we have have a question and then also you see up here you can take a copy of this qr code with your phone and our outreach circle has been developed by National and it's a way to very easily connect with all of your contacts, our special contacts, our special groups of contacts, uh, particularly when you get notices uh, about certain uh, events, particularly as the League is right on top of all things involving voting. Uh, and this involves voting, restoration of felony, uh, voting rights, uh, education, the environment, everything. So. Who else is drawing
2: maps? We know the legislature is. I don't know that anyone else is. That's how I got this strange gig.
0: (laughs) In the past, I have been in a Jefferson County civics
1: classroom where the entire wall was pasted with map sections
2: that some wonderful civics teacher was teaching her students about doing this.
1: Well, and we do know that geography students and political science students at the various universities, that's, that's why we were excited about having the program at EKU, and we're having one at Moorhead, and the idea would be to get them to get involved and uh, to draw maps. And you can actually go online, there are a lot of free programs, you, can go on, you all can go online and work on drawing uh, maps, if that's what you want to do. We have a question also, is when are maps received due, I think that's what this means. Uh, We would like to hear from you by November the 15th, so Susan has enough time to redraft the maps, and then uh, we plan to, by the end of November, early uh, December, get them to the uh, legislature. Here's another question. Once maps received are turned in, what is the process?
2: Let me back up and try answering that two ways, Dee. Okay. Because the question sounds to me like it might be, when do the maps have to be done by the legislature? And for that... There isn't a settled constitutional deadline, but there's a timeline of it ought to be done in time for the elections that come after the new census date is available. And you shared early on the difficulty of that given how the census data was delayed and given the legislature not being scheduled to come back into session until January 3rd with that January 7th filing deadline. Now, for comments on our maps, I'm going to wait through November 15. I'm going to go help my grandchildren move right before that. And once I get back into the state, I'm going to read through all of that input, and I'm going to ask a couple other league members to look at it in case I've missed anything or undervalued something. And then I'm going to sit down and redraw the entire thing using the input in magnitude so that we can send it to the legislature pretty quickly. I hope to be done by December 1st. But given the number of technology problems I've had, I don't want to promise that to anyone until I've gotten it done. I think it needs to be done quickly to fit with the rest of the legislative calendar and fit around the holidays.
1: This question, uh, are the population requirements the same for Kentucky House, Senate, as for U.S. congressional districts? All of those districts throughout the state are based on population. So if you have six congressional districts, then the population of Kentucky has to be divided up six ways. If you have 100 House districts and 38 Senate districts, then you take the Kentucky total population and divide that up. So yes, the Senate districts are larger than the House districts. The congressional districts are larger than either of those two because it's all population numbers. All right, I think we have another question. Okay, well, this one is an easy one. When did this wonderful process begin Who started it? The Constitution of the United States provides for there to be a census every 10 years. And so they've been drawing politicians and have been drawing these districts all of that time. What's interesting, uh, Susan did some research uh, for a program that she and I put on for lawyers. And you go back to 1907 in Kentucky and there was a lawsuit. And then also in 1931. But they had these districts, and I might have mentioned this earlier, where they might have 70,000 in one district and 25,000 in another district. So they didn't always do it right. And what we know, and Susan, you can add to this, what we know is some states didn't always do it on time. But again, until people speak up, until voters speak up are their lawsuits, do things get changed. Susan, how long of a process is drawing the... LWB proposed
2: maps, so you can tell them how long you've been involved in this. Okay, I've been involved in redistricting since Cindy Heine pulled me into it in 2017. Uh, We did proposed maps last year in July, which took me two weeks, but it was basically a week and a half because I knew some of the geography and what I needed to work with. This is an interesting
1: question. Would it help to visualize how districts have changed over time? And yes, you can do that if you go online. You can find how the districts have changed. Uh, and, and that's sort of an interesting historical uh, view, as well as if you're really into the politics of all of this, to see how the politics have affected uh, all of this.
2: If th- anyone else who wants to play with it, District R is pretty nice. Dee, I'm going to mention before I move to the slides where you close this out, that I am indeed seeing Roswell saying Delta Sigma Theta would like to be part of the quick turnaround process when we redraw the maps. Oh, yeah. And it would be delightful to share in that. Certainly. Uh, I
1: have a few more questions here I think we can answer pretty quickly. And Susan, I know what I would answer with this, but you can answer. How confident do you feel that the recommended maps will be considered in the redistricting process?
2: The legislature is not obligated to consider the input, but we're trying to build a process where they can hear the public interest in the process and give it some consideration. We don't have any promises, uh, but we've gotten some thoughtful engagement from a number of legislators, including some with influence. Yes, um, I would expect them to, to adopt it wholesale. Uh, I think it will be an honor if they take some of the ideas we put together.
1: Uh, And just so you all know, one of the things that I've said to legislators that I've talked to is, yes, regardless of, they used to do it terribly, and it was that party, and now we have this party, be the good guys, okay? Good government, and do it right. So, despite attempts for legal reform failing in the legislature in 2021, uh, is the league advocating for any of the following legal reforms? Partisan gerrymandering ban multi-member districts with ranked choice voting. I will start with this. It would be great if we could get somebody to put forth a bill to outlaw gerrymandering, but you saw what happened in 20 and 21 when we couldn't even get them to agree to have an open process. Then multi-member districts with ranked choice voting the League is working on, in fact, Fran and several of us have, have talked about it, working on learning more about ranked choice voting. It'll be something that we can study. So to give you an idea is the League really does study issues before we take stands on issues, and so we don't have enough information and our knowledge ourselves on ranked choice voting to make any recommendations to the public. But you can look for the in the future that we probably will have uh, some educational programs about it to, for us to learn ourselves about that. Let's see here, I'll ask this. Can you speak to the comparisons in the goals of community interest and competitive districts? Susan, can you talk to
2: that? Yes, and I'll, I'll put out that phrase community of interest first, which is a classic legitimate thing to consider in not making the most compact districts you possibly could. Sometimes you might have a district that stretches a little longer and is a little skinnier, in order to have it all be agricultural or to have a strong presence for an industrial interest to represent either a racial minority or some other community that has something strong in common. In these maps, once you are committed to not dividing counties, there are not a lot of opportunities for that. But I did try to pay attention to where I knew there were more and less suburban areas every map i did i work on where do i put the airport in louisville because that struck me as a tough thing for candidates to drive around and a tough thing for voters to maneuver around so i tried to have it be on an edge in terms of competitiveness i think it's a plus and as a lead we think it's a plus to at least not be trying to protect incumbents on the other hand i've gotten some feedback from some folks who've actually run this through software saying yeah, the way you split things up in most of the state, you might get some overrepresentation of Republicans. Since I wasn't drawing to make that happen or to do anything else related to parties, that wasn't intentional. Uh, but I think it comes from how the two parties are distributed between the big counties and the lesser ones. So we did not work very intensely on competitiveness. We worked on it makes sense to the voters and then on clarity about what's happening to racial minority voters. All right, how
1: can we effectively encourage legislators to give serious considerations to our recommendations? One of the things that you can do is call your legislator. Now, even though your legislator may be, you think, supportive of what you want anyway, think about what relatives, friends, business associates you have that live in other parts of the state and get them to call their legislators. And it's really easy. Uh, we've also got our citizens guide it's got all the numbers of everybody you can think of that you might need to call Uh, and the people that answer the phone in frankfurt they are terrifically nice they're wonderful you call you tell them your name and address so they can be sure of who they're talking to and leave a message for your legislator or you can leave a message for every legislator you can do everybody if you want but they also like to hear from their constituents so it's important for you, again, if you know people that live in other districts, uh, to get them. So that's that's critical, and we want you to do that. And of course, we want to share these petitions uh, with them. Someone uh, asked a question about a comment on ALEC's involvement. Uh, ALEC is uh, known as a group that helps uh, particularly Republicans and conservative legislators put forth certain bills. Absolutely, they're involved with in politics. Uh, we know that. I will tell you this. Cindy Heine, who Susan mentioned, Cindy and I went to Columbus in 2019 in the fall to the National Conference of State Legislators, specific conference on redistricting. And what was good there, and actually some of our legislators are going to the one that they are having on redistricting in November. But there, every speaker from all over the country, all of the experts, everybody talked about have an open and transparent process. And we were really pleased for that, and that's part of what we have been pushing. Have an open and transparent process. So yes, there are legislators that are affected by ALEC, but there are also legislators that are affected by their involvement in the National Conference of uh, State Legislators. I did have one other question. It says, would it be valuable to add a further rule to try and draw state Senate maps that would fall wholly in congressional districts and state house districts to fit into senate districts? Would that increase the power of these communities? Susan, you can answer this, but here's what I think this, this question, I think it might be missing. We still have to deal with the numbers. This is a people equal population situation, uh, and I think that's why this can't be done. Would you agree, Susan?
2: I would agree because you can't fit 38 into six evenly, and you can't fit 100 into six evenly. A constitutional amendment could give us nice multiples. Of yeah. And then it's possible with the current numbers, you have to split somebody. The more compact you make the district, the better the overlap will be. But you're still going to have some Senate districts and some House districts that cross congressional district boundaries. Dee, I have one more question asking. I'm trying to imagine what the procedure is for the legislature to draw district lines. Do all the members get together with different color magic markers and circle what they want? (laughs) Can you share your understanding of some of how the sausage gets made while of course being polite and decorous in the lead tradition?
1: All right, so to finish up here, what can the legislature do to move toward these maps? We've talked about it, having the input, that's what we want. Every legislator we've talked to, and we've tried to talk with multiple groups of them, and individuals. Transparency, share the maps before voting. You want the things that you should say to people when you talk to them. This is it. And particularly, sharing the maps before voting. In other words, one of the legislators said, oh yeah, we're almost finished with these maps. And like, okay, well then put them out there so people can see them, talk about them and get back to you. Now, whether they'll do that or not, let's put it this way, I'm not holding my breath. But again, build broad support, and that's what this would do. Uh, And again, even though one party is the minority in both of our state houses, still to have a bipartisan uh, view of whatever maps they draw is gonna be much better in the long run, and less likely that there would be possibly uh, a lawsuit. And we we don't want a lawsuit, I mean, I'm a lawyer, I still don't want a lawsuit, okay? Uh, it's not good, ultimately. If they do terrible things, there may have to may have to be, all right? Let's see if there's any last questions. I really want to appreciate, uh, to tell you all how much we appreciate your attention to this. This is a serious, serious subject. Again, I want to remind you, it happens only every 10 years. So that, it's not like every year we can argue about this if they do it poorly. We want them to do it well. Try to keep understanding, most people when you talk to them, they, they know what the gerrymandering, they've heard of that. What is that? And what I say is it's bad redistricting. The redistricting itself is good. We need to make these changes based upon population. Okay, and that just has to be done. That's understandable. But if you're gerrymandering, you, that's bad redistricting and it really is terrible for democracy. And then the other thing, of course, is Voters should choose their elected officials, not the elected officials choosing their voters. Mm-hmm. All right, so thank you. Thank you to Delta Sigma Theta. Thank you to Adrian Wallace, our tech person, uh, to obviously to Susan, and believe me, she is a map guru for sure. And so I talk about it and she's drawing these uh, maps. Thank you all for coming. Again, let me say this, if you've got a group We will talk to groups about this issue. Like I said, we've probably talked to as many as, I want to say at least 60. Uh, I will have talked to five groups this week. So keep that in mind and and help us out. Introduce us to groups. I've even gone to people's home and talked
2: to 25 people in somebody's house one summer night this summer. We had another question. I want to do one of the slides you didn't get to. Okay. Because you asked how can people support moving these maps for approval of the state legislature. Right. And whether it's for these maps or for an alternate version that's also fair, these are the key points we recommend to people. Contacting your legislators matters, especially for showing that there are people concerned about this. And you can do that at the legislative website or at their phone number. We have the People powered Fair Maps Petition, which is available on our website.
0: Again, that website is l w v k y dot I just
1: wanted to suggest one other thing when you go to all the various counties and districts people can also write letters to their papers yes you all have attended this so you know write a letter to the editor you probably saw fran and i's uh, op-ed that was in uh last week but you can write just a short letter to the editor as supporting an open transparent public input process Absolutely. And we've worked on that throughout the state with the various leagues that we have in the state and various members. We have a lot of uh, members of the state league at large and encouraging them to do that. So I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a good evening.
0: The talk you just heard was given by Dee Pregliasco and Susan Perkins-Weston on the subject of redistricting, and it took place at the Louisville League of Women Voters on October the 18th, 2021. If you would like to speak your truth to power, go to forwardradio.org and click on Participate.